What's crazy is we had been talking, I'd been talking to Pastor Brandon last week. We spoke about um, the anywhere but here mentality. I said we. I've been speaking with Brandon most of the time when I'm up here. But I, me, myself, and I, we spoke about um, anywhere but here mentality. And as God was just dealing with my heart, he said that there was a part two to that. And uh, so I want to get into that today. Um, the anywhere but here mentality, just to kind of recap, is a mindset that begins with a state of discontentment in your here moment right now, where you are. And most of the time we can ask ourselves, you know, you can actually ask yourself, how many times have you possibly said, you know, I'd rather be anywhere but here God? Whether it's, you know, in home, whether it's in your state physically, whether it's in financially, whether it's in your job, whether it's, you know, whatever situation you're in. And sometimes, like I said, we just kind of joked around about, you know, vacations and watching other people get to go do things and stuff like that. And it's real easy to get stuck in a state of discontentment and want to always be looking for the next best thing because we're never satisfied with where we are right now. We're always looking for bigger and better. Always. We always want there, wherever there is, to be where you are instead of right here, right now. We always want to look for that bigger and better. We call that the grass is greener on the other side mentality. And uh, we have to come to the realization that where we are in our here is giving us our roots for our next there moment. That if you don't grow and get grounded and rooted in the ground, you won't be strong enough to be transplanted when and if God chooses to do so, not when you choose to just move in whatever direction your feet say so. I believe in the word. It says something like the righteous, the steps of the righteous are ordered by faith. Amen. And that faith is not in yourself. It's faith in Jesus Christ and wanting to know where you are and where he so wants you to be in your life. Amen. Amen. I think one of the things that we don't understand is that discontentment creates disconnection between us and God. Discontentment. It's the lack of satisfaction with one's possessions, status, or situation. Discontentment flows from a heart that says, I deserve better than what God has given me. Did you hear that? Discontentment flows from a heart that says, I deserve better than what God has given me. This started with uh, Satan himself, actually. Yeah, what's crazy is that uh, his name was Lucifer. He was the greatest angel that was in heaven. He was the director of worship. He was the most adorned with jewels and all the pipes and lyres, all the great sounds um, that we think we hear today. He had a hundred times better that were given to him in the heavenly realm. But the problem of it was that his inability to be satisfied with his possession, status, and situation in heaven with God caused him to be discontent with where he was. Satan was the creator of discontentment because I'm telling you what, uh, we wouldn't have that if he wouldn't have just uh, done what he needed to do up in heaven and led worship and we would still be probably happy in the garden. <laughs> Amen. But discontentment creates disconnection. When you choose discontentment over looking at where you are right now in your life and seeing the good out of it, I'm not saying that where we are everywhere in your life may be perfect and may be wonderful. That would be, um, it would just be dumb to say that for you. 
<laughs> I'm not even going to try to make it like it's so good because sometimes situations in our life are just terrible and they're not good and they're hard to go through. But I do believe that that scripture that says God will work all things for the good for those who are called and love him and follow him. See, the thing about it is, is that's the key right there. You know, we try to say, well, God's going to work everything out for your good. Well, I have a question for you. Do you love him? And do you follow him? Because he ain't just going to make everything good because you just want it to be good. And that doesn't mean your situation may change. I think most of the time it's talking about good in here. Good in your mindset. Good in how you can get through it. Because he will turn everything out for the good for those who are called according to his purpose and love him. That's just who he is. But when we come to a place where we realize that right here, right now is all we have, we stop the mentality of anywhere but here, and we begin to focus on nowhere else but with you, God. Nowhere else. I'd rather be right here with you right now than anywhere else without you. I, yeah, over there would be wonderful. I'd love to have a yacht in the Bahamas and live there for the rest of my life. But if I was there and God wasn't with me and I wasn't in the center of his will, eventually that there would, that here place would want, I'd want it to be there. I'd want somewhere else to be there. Nothing would ever be a satisfaction for me. It's the truth. It's proven. Read stories about even people who most of the time have a lot of money. That it, it, it's never filled. The, your satisfaction right here is never filled by worldly things. And so I think God's wanting to try to teach us how we can find contentment in where we are and still stay here and still stay right where God wants us to be on track. But how do we keep it? How do we keep contentment in our here place? How do we keep the mindset of discontentment from taking over? I want you to remember that the word contentment means to be free from care because of satisfaction with what is already one's own. Not with what you want, it's satisfaction with what you have. It's more of an inward satisfaction. It's a permanent state of mind, not changed because of anything outwardly. The word permanent means lasting or intended to last for a long time, not temporary or changing. It means stable. It means stability. And I'm going to ask you a question today. If you can search deep down in your heart and ask yourself, am I very discontent and unhappy in where I am in my life, then I need to ask, you know, do I not feel stability? Then where's my stability coming from in this moment? Again, I'm not saying that you have to, listen to me, you don't have to be happy that your car breaks down, okay? Nobody's telling you that. You don't have to be happy when you're struggling to try to find the bills because happiness is just an emotion and a feeling. But contentment comes from true joy that's within, and that's the joy of knowing Christ is in you and that he is with you and that he is for you and that one day it will be better. It will be better. That happiness and joy is a completely different thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can be happy like that and you can be mad like that. But joy is a continuous thing that happens in your life. I'm not even going to say it's just a feeling because we can feel all kinds of things. It's a state of mind. Joy is a state of mind. Discontentment in the mind becomes destabilized when Jesus becomes the permanent fixation of our thoughts. When Jesus Christ becomes that permanent fixation in our thoughts, 
Discontentment begins to destabilize. You begin to take down those walls of discontentment. You begin to crumble those emotions that begin to come into your mind when you think of what you want over there being better than what you have right here. True stability only comes from contentment with Christ, and true contentment comes from commitment. Today, I want to talk to you about committed to here. Committed to here. I'm committed to right here, right now. Commitment. That's a tough word sometimes, isn't it? What is commitment? Commitment is to be dedicated to a cause, an obligation, an agreement. It takes time and effort and requires personal responsibility. It requires honesty and integrity and can never be made without a true choice to make it. It's a promise. Committed to here. You know what's crazy is today the subject of commitment has become very taboo. Very much so. And I was studying and I began to look up what people thought about um, for commitment during these days and what's taking place in our culture today. And as I was studying, um, I began to find some responses just of people who responded back to a question about what does commitment mean and why do people struggle with commitment. And these are just responses out there by people who just sent in their opinion. Um, who knows, we can always find somebody's opinion on the internet, can't we? But what I found, it really actually shocked me, and actually it, it can be very true. So I want to read to you a few statements that some people had stated. They, why do we lack commitment in our society today was the uh, question. The first response was, commitment is hard to find because it means you have to put your own personal preferences to the side. Another person said, everyone's expectations are way too high and most people bail at the first sign of unhappiness, conflict, and etc. High expectations due to the appearance of infinite options causes people to not want to commit. What that person was saying is that people, because their expectations are set at such certain things that you, instead of reality, that you have infinite options. So when something doesn't suit you, you just jump to the next thing. It's real easy. Instant gratification is rampant. TV, social media, fast food, video games, and more have been scientifically studied and brought about to bring a sense of instant gratification and, a release, and releases feel-good chemicals in our mind that leave us longing for more. If you don't like something, get rid of it and try something else. Another person said, society has become so self-reliant that having others in your life is just a bonus right now. You don't really need anyone but yourself. And then the last person that I wrote down in this one just hit me. It says, everyone and everything is disposable. You know what's sad is that we become a people more committed to continuing discontentment than a people committed to God. We become a people more committed to continuing discontentment than being committed to God. And finding contentment through him. Why do I say this? Well, I say this because we waste so much time on things of this world that will never truly satisfy us. We waste so much time trying to find contentment and happiness and all these things that make us feel good for a moment and worldly things. That's why I say you may not think you're committed to anything, but you are committed to something. And if it's not Jesus Christ, it's committed to your own dissatisfaction. 
as I was thinking, God woke me up today and he said this to me this morning. I wrote it down. I had to open it and write it down. And he said, you cannot expect full-time results from half-time commitment. You want God to move in your life. You think he's supposed to do all these great things in your life. And you want him to be at your beck and call. Yet you only serve him on Sundays. Or when somebody else is around that talks to you about God, then you serve him. But when the next group's around at your job and they're saying jokes that are dirty and bad and vulgar and slinging their words, you join in right with them. You cannot expect full-time results from half-time commitment. Full commitment in God cannot be based on the right conditions and the right circumstances. You can't say, well, I'll just serve God tomorrow. I'll just serve you tomorrow, God. It's no big deal. I'll fix it tomorrow. I'm going to live my life right now. I'm going to do what I want today. I'm going to watch what I want. I'm going to speak what I want. I'm going to say, I'm going to do anything that I want because I'm committed to me. And so today, it's all about me. Tomorrow, I'll serve God. Tomorrow, I'll get to you, God. Crazy thing is, is you might not have tomorrow. Right here and right now is all you have. So I think we need to be committed to our here with God. Proverbs 27.1 says, don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Isaiah 55, 6 through 7 says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Did you, did you hear that? Seek the Lord while you can find him. Do you all realize that there's coming a moment where hide and seek's getting ready to be over? Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call upon him now while he is near. Let men cast off their wicked deeds and let them banish from their minds the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy upon them and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. True contentment only comes from a mind fully convinced that God is God and that you belong to him, and that he loves you, and that he will never leave you, nor will he never forsake you. And the only way to keep our mind convinced of this is to be committed to seeking God right here, right now. You can't convince your mind of something that you don't keep talking. You ever, like, talk to yourself into something that you know you shouldn't do? Nobody? Nobody ever talked themselves into anything, especially like when you were younger and you're like, I think it's a good idea to sneak out. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Oh, now we're putting a plan in action and a motion and I'm coming to your house and then we're going to wait because you have the basement which has the door that goes outside and when mom and dad go to sleep, then we're going to go out and then we're going to go to our friend's house who has the part. You ever talked yourself into something that you know you shouldn't do? Right? How about as an adult, you ever talked yourself into something? I think I need a new car. I think I need it. Like, like 
And not only do I need a new car, but I need that car that I know I probably can't afford to pay the payments on, but I, I really want that car. And then eventually you find yourself signing a, a lease and a note to a car that you know you cannot pay for that's giving you more struggle than anything, but because you had to keep up with what we used to call the Joneses, if anybody knows what that was, um, you know, you did it anyways because you talk yourself into something. It's real easy to talk ourselves into things and convince ourselves, right? But why is it so hard to talk ourselves into and convince ourselves that getting up every day and reading our word is important? Why is it so hard to talk to ourselves and convince ourselves that spending time with God is important? Why is it so hard to convince ourselves to say, hey, um, I know you're joking about those things, but I don't want you joking like that around me. Why is it so hard to convince ourselves that God is good enough in our lives and that he's always there? Why, with the one thing that is the absolute truth, do we have a hard time convincing ourselves with? And I think biggest thing is because we don't try. We don't repeat over and over the words that happens. What happens is when things go on in our life, we instantly repeat the words of the enemy that are being sent into our minds that just replay over and over instead of stopping them with the word of God. You cannot change something if you don't give your all into trying to change it. Commitment begins with a mind that is set on leaving the world and its ways behind. True love Joy, peace, hope, success, and fulfillment can only be found in a life that is committed to God. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Psalms 37.1-6 says, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away, like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Our desire to get what the world has for us often displaces our contentment with God. It replaces it in turn with worry and fear with anxiety, with stress. That's what discontentment causes. But contentment with God begins to cause a satisfaction, but it can only come from committing to who he is in your life. And what's crazy is we allow these feelings of worry and fear to be the leading reasons that we don't commit. And as I was studying, I came across four main fears of commitment because fear causes the mind to to view when we have fear of you know different things these fears that I'm going to break down what fear does is it causes the mind to view commitment as punishment think about it it causes us to view commitment as a chore as an obligation something I have to do instead of an honor and a privilege Commitment was made to be seen as an honor and a privilege. Why do you think God talks about that, you know, when he takes with Adam and Eve and he talks to them about being one and being committed to one another? And then we make a commitment by trading vows and sharing our commitments to one another as we begin to start the family unit because 
God's trying to say, hey, commitment has value. There's value in commitment when you choose to commit to the people, to number one, to me and the things that are around you and give your all to it. It will flourish. may not be easy. It's hard work, but you just got to commit. The mind likes to say, if I commit to this, then I can't do that. Or I can't be this. Or I can't have that. And so on. You know what's crazy is it's the enemy's job to get you to focus on the can'ts so you won't. It's the enemy's job to make you focus on the can'ts so you just won't. I could not stand it, and I still can't if my kids do it, say it when I just ask to do something or we say, hey, we're going to do this. I can't. How do you know? Have you ever tried? No, I can't do that. Huh? You, you don't know. You didn't even try to do it. Or I can't do that. I'm doing this. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can. You can move right now. I'll show you how. Get up, you take your feet, and you walk over, and you take the trash out. You can do it. You can do it. I promise you. I'm going to show you. Let's put your hands on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we find so many ways to not committing to doing things because it's just easier to not commit. Makes it easier. I want to break down the four main fears of commitment and why people won't be committed to God or anything else. Number one, fear of vulnerability. Vulnerability is placing yourself in a state where you could be open to attack or hurt physically and or emotionally. People who have been hurt by others often find themselves more reluctant to commit to anything else or any other relationship. Let me give you a few examples. You've been hurt by a friend, so you become more reluctant to make new ones. You've been hurt by someone at church, so you become more reluctant to get involved at the church you now attend or even commit to church at all. You've been hurt by not seeing a situation answered by God the way that you thought it should be, so you find it hard to trust him and be committed to follow him now. Hurt and pain and vulnerability, because nobody likes to really be vulnerable, you know, and open yourself up to the possibility of hurt. It's not easy. It's not easy to open yourself up at times, especially after you've been hurt and to join in and to step out again. And what people see commitment as is that it increases the risk of being hurt, left, or let down when the fear of vulnerability is in control. In our minds, it's easier to stay disconnected than it is to become committed. It decreases the risk of getting hurt and increases our ability to control everything around us. Once you've been hurt, it's very hard to want to step back in and try to commit and let the walls down. It's very hard to try to say, I recreate trust. And yes, are there some situations where you cannot reestablish trust? I understand that, but that doesn't mean that everybody around you is that person. Right? I love what uh, Pastor Brandon talks about as he says, you know, we, it's so easy for us to cut out church, you know, because people are hypocritical. Well, you are just one of those. After a while, you get sick of hearing that. It's like everybody's hypocritical. You know what I'm saying? Everybody does things they say they're not going to do or does one thing, says one thing and does another. Everybody does it. You want to know why? Because you're not Jesus. And the fact of it is, is that, you know, like he said, we don't go to church. We don't, you know, commit to other things. But when we go to Walmart, you know, 
People can do things. You can get cut off by the person in the parking lot before you get to your spot, and they're cussing at you and flipping you off, and you, you don't cry and say, I'm never going to Walmart again. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's weird how the mind takes hurt, and then it makes a perception that everything else in your life revolves around that one situation. When actually everything in your life is trying to get you to move from that situation, but you are the only one unwilling to move because you're committed to your pain. Because if I let go of it, then what do I have and who am I? If I let go of my pain and my hurts and the things, then how do I really stand with who I am? Because, you know, I mean, that's what everybody knows about me. Well, you know what? There's so much more inside of you that everybody would like to know. There's so much more good in you that everybody needs to know because people need the good in you that's there. But if you keep letting your fears and your pains paralyze you from committing to the good, you'll always be held by that situation, by that pain. It's hard to commit to God, too, when you have pain because, you know, we trust him for a moment until something reminds us of that pain. And that's why I said you have to keep reminding yourself and create a habit in your mind. If you want to learn to commit to things, you have to create a new mindset of getting out of that discontentment and the things that you were to become who you are. Number two. Fear of making the wrong choice and not following through. In people's minds, it's better to not commit at all than to make a mistake. Commitment has the mentality of, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. But fear has the mentality of, why bother, why try? Commitment has the mentality of, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. But fear has the mentality of, why bother, why try? How many of you in this room could honestly say that there are things that you know that you've really wanted to do or really want to try, or you really even believe that God's wanting you to do, but because you're so afraid of making a mistake or because you don't really know how, you're afraid to step out there and really try? I'll be honest, right? Because it's easier to keep yourself in the under the radar than in the spotlight, right? Because if you keep yourself under the radar, then nobody knows that you didn't mess up. But what's funny is God knows that you didn't try. He knows that you sat on your hands with the gift that you had and did not do what you needed to do with it. He knows. He knows exactly where you are. He knows all the fears that are going on. But you know what's awesome about God is he knows the tools that you need to do what, what, you, what he's called you to do. And who cares if you make a mistake, right? It, we all mess up, and none of us know everything. So you can get that know-it-all crap out of your head because nobody knows it all. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I'll tell you right now, there is always going to be somebody that's better at, you, better at something than you. There just will be, and that's okay. You know, I've come to the fact to realize in my life now Especially after turning 40, hey, if there's somebody better at it, go ahead. Have fun. I'll let you do it. 
if it's something that I'm not, Betsy, we're all worried about strengthening all these weaknesses and the things that we have and we don't focus on what God's really given us inside to say, hey, I can do this with what I have. It doesn't say his, his strength is made perfect, you know, in, or your strength is made perfect by yourself. It says that your weaknesses, the strength in your weaknesses, it comes from God, not yourself. It's not about you. This goes back to the word commitment, meaning to make a promise. Because when you commit to something, it implies the responsibility of following through with what you promised. This is a hard thing for people sometimes. Have you ever noticed that or have been around anybody who, who can really start something really well, but they never finish? Don't raise your hand, especially if that person's right next to you. Please don't do that. Or nudge them. Hey, just want to let you know you're a great starter, but you stink at finishing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and even for yourself, has there ever been something like you make a commitment to? You're like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start this. You know, we always do it with New Year's resolutions. You know what I'm saying? And then by the time January's over, even after the first week, it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. You know what I'm saying? They just fall off real easy. But we have a problem following through. We have a problem keeping our word, keeping our promises, keeping the things that we said. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who's not got a problem with following through and keeping his promises. That may not be on my time. It's always on his time. And it may not be how I think that it should come through, but he's committed to me and I know it. See, rather than challenging yourself to learn something new and exciting, you see it as an opportunity for others to see your weaknesses and would rather not place yourself in that light. It's hard to follow through when you don't like to follow at all. How do you follow through when you don't like to follow? Right? If you can't follow Christ at all, you definitely won't follow through with the things that you've said and committed to. Because you can't keep commitment to him. How in the world can you keep commitment to others? And you can be sitting in here, well, you know, I'm committed to my wife. I'm committed to this. I'm not talking about just coming home and staying in that marriage. I'm talking about are you committed in your thoughts? Are you committed in the things you watch? Are you committed in the things you speak? Are you committed in the things you hear? Are you committed, are you committed in every aspect? Just because you have a legal binding or a contract doesn't mean you're committed. You got to commit in every aspect. True commitment means you are all in, whether you make a mistake or not. It, I, I think we need to come to a place where we allow our mistakes to catapult us instead of captive, captivate us. See, because we, can't be, we become captive to our mistakes, then we let them become pains and failures and things like that, which goes back to vulnerability because now we made a mistake. Now we're afraid of making more mistakes and now we're afraid of people seeing our mistakes and so we're just gonna shrink back in instead of saying, hey, I made a mistake but now I know something not to do so I'm gonna do it better the next time. Whatever happened to learning from your mistakes? Now, please don't go out and just do something dumb and call it a mistake because you know it's wrong in the first place. That's just a dumb decision. You know, you know what I'm saying? It was a mistake for me to rob that place. <sighs> you think? Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's, we, can't, we can't call, 
premeditated thoughts, mistakes. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. You know what I'm saying? But when you just make mistakes and you are like, oh man, God, I accidentally slipped and said something I shouldn't say. You can't beat yourself over on it. You just go, I know I shouldn't say that. I know that's a part of who I was. It's not a part of who I am. So I'm going to work harder on not doing that. And I'm going to keep going. I think we need to come back to that mentality of if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Number three, fear of missing out. In today's culture, culture they call this FOMO. <laughs> it's F-O-M-O. If you ever see that, that's what that means. Fear of missing out. So, you know, you see kids and youth kids type all these little acronyms and stuff like this. And even, you know, the younger generation and you're like, somebody's cussing. <laughs> no, it just means fear of missing out. And you know what this is? This is an emotional response to the belief that there is always something bigger and better that can satisfy you. It's the fear of missing out on better opportunities. Commitment assumes responsibility for putting some of our personal needs on hold for the purpose of prioritizing the commitments we've made. Commitment assumes responsibility for putting some of our personal needs on hold for the purpose of prioritizing the commitments we've made. Haley and Sam, you have made a commitment. You made your vow. You made a baby. So, now when that baby is awake at 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5.30, and then you up at 6, again, and you ain't slept, you can't just be like, oh, uh, they'll eat tomorrow. I don't, it don't work that way, you know what I'm saying? Because eventually, you're going to have police at your house. But you know what commitment you made. You know that. You know that you're going to, you don't know all of it that you're getting ready to get into. And it is a joy. And being parents is a joy. But it's hard work. It's a lot of hard work. It's committing to the not fun times just as it is committing to the fun times. And I think what happens is we get this idea in our minds sometimes that, you know, we want to make these commitments. And they're all really good. But now, you know, you may see, hey, I can't go to the movies no more right now because my kid screams through the whole thing. And, and you know, is it Noni? Is that what they, or Nani? Nani, is that what we're going to call you? So Nani and Nana and everybody else may not be available all the time to watch that baby. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't like you can just be like, oh, there's a movie on. You'll be all right. I'm going to put a bottle in your uh, car seat with you right here and uh, leave a note so if somebody stops by to check on you. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you'd ever do that because that's dumb. But, you know, people have probably done things like that because the fact of it is, is there's always something better around. We make commitments when we start, but there's always something better that comes our way to make us feel that we're missing out on all the good when the good's right in front of you. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out causes you to struggle with commitment because committing will deprive you of the freedom to do what you want, when you want, and how you want. Most of the time, we see commitments as limitations. If I make a commitment, now I'm 
bound by whatever I've agreed to, and I can't be what I want, where I want, how I want, do what I want. It's, it's tough. I'm telling you right now, it's a big thing that people in this world deal with. Why do you think they can't create jobs or take jobs? We have jobs, but why people can't keep them is because some people are more committed to uh, resting and sleeping than they are getting up. What we don't realize is that when we live this way, we are saying to God, our family, our friends, our jobs, and our church, or anything else, when we live like this, in constant fear of missing out that something is always better, we're telling God, our family, our friends, our jobs, our church, anything else in our lives that I can't fully commit to you because what I want is more important and I need to always be ready when something bitter, bigger and better comes along than you. Biggest thing that I can tell you is don't waste your time looking for better opportunities when the biggest opportunities are right in front of you. Live your life committed to right here, right now, right where you are. Your biggest opportunity is right in front of you. Going back, like I said, just going back as an example, Sam and Haley, your biggest opportunity is right in front of you to take care of and raise another generation for Jesus Christ, which is going to be your own child. And when that baby is crying and screaming, your biggest opportunity is going to be able to show self-control, patience, kindness, love, goodness, gentleness. Do you see what I'm saying? The fruits of the spirits. The biggest opportunities that we have to show who God is is right in front of us. It's right in our homes. It's right in our jobs. It's right in our schools. It's right in our stores. It's everything we have is right in front of us. And if you are consistently looking for something bigger and better, you miss the best of what God has. God doesn't have a problem with your heart desiring better. But you cannot receive those things until you fully commit to him. Then everything else will fall in line. God doesn't have a problem with you saying, hey, one day I would really like to have my own home. Or one day, you know, I would like to be out of debt and I would like to do that. God doesn't have a problem with those kind of desires in your life. What he has a problem with is when you begin desiring getting over giving yourself to him. When all those desires become so much bigger than he is and he's sought last than all your other resolutions in your life, that's when the problem sets in. Psalms 37, 4 through 5. I said it earlier, but I'm going to go back to it. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. When you delight in someone or something, it means that it gives you great pleasure, joy, and satisfaction to be in their presence and of their service. Whatever you commit to, that means that that gives you great joy, pleasure, satisfaction to be a part of whatever you're committing to when you delight in something. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. But I looked it up in the message, and I love how it says it. It says, this is Matthew 6, 30 through 33. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax 
to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met, period. And it brings me to saying that commitment is the foundation of contentment. A heart and mind with the mentality of God first before everything sets itself up for a living a life in contentment. But a heart and mind with the mentality of everything else then God sets itself up for a life lived in discontentment. Number four, fear of responsibility. When responsibility is seen as a burden, ones will shy away from committing because it keeps them from fulfilling any obligations. Responsibility creates dependency, meaning that when you commit to something, others are depending on you to hold up your end of the bargain. People with the mindset of fear of responsibility often think it's easier to not commit because then I don't have to be accountable or responsible to anyone. See, because what happens is with commitment comes accountability and continuity. Continuity is consistency. Are you consistent? One of the things that anybody who's been around me has ever probably heard is I have said to them, consistency is key. The more consistent you are, the more people know you're dependable, the more people can know that you're there, the more people know that you can do whatever it takes, whether you get the littlest job or the biggest job, people know that you are in it to win it and you are all in. But does God know that about you? Do you have a consistency in your commitment to God? Are you consistent with your time that you spend with him? Are you consistent in your actions that you give outside of church? Are you consistent in how you handle your relationships? Consistency is key. God created us with the ability to respond. If people with this mindset think it's easier to not commit because then I don't have accountability or I'm not responsible for anybody, they negate their responsibilities completely. And the fact of it is, is that God has given us the ability to respond. This is our responsibility. That's breaking down those words. You realize that the word responsibility is the ability to respond. You have the ability, the God-given ability that he's given in you to respond to the things around you and the commitments that are being required of you. When we choose not to commit, we are just simply choosing not to respond. And no response is still a response. It's just saying that commitment is not worth your time, energy, and effort. Just because you don't respond to the commitments God's called you to doesn't mean that you get out of it. He just knows that you're telling them, hey, that's not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. It's not worth the effort. Commitment. I don't want to give it because I don't want to be responsible. I don't want to be accountable. Because that means that 
I may have to tell somebody, hey, um, I just want to let you know I can't fulfill this job purpose right here at this time, but I, I want to be wearing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, commitment, it's tough. It's tough. Two factors that contribute to commitment are importance and ability. For a person to commit to something, they need to see it as important. And they need to believe they have the ability to carry it out. Nobody will invest time and energy in what they do not see as important. You will not give your time and energy to something you see as not important. Ask anybody in my house, do I play video games? Anybody in my home? Oh, y'all want to be quiet about it now. I don't, I don't, not that I don't care, not that I think they're like terrible. It's just not something important to me. It's just not. It's not something, I mean, every once in a while, I mean, if you had old school Tetris, I might have to beat you and then not play anymore. But other than that, like, I like things like that. When I was a kid, I loved it. I'm not saying anybody who likes video games that that's bad for them. Too much of a good thing can always become a bad thing. It's just what it is. That's with anything. So can desserts, food, watching TV. It's all the same kind of thing. So it's all, everybody has to balance on what they like. But the fact of it is, is like for me, it's just not something that is important to me. So I don't spend my time learning it and playing it. That's not it. But I like, for me, it's just me. I like to stop and read new books and do different things like that. And, you know, sometimes my kids are like, what are you reading? You know, like that's boring. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, this is important to me. So I like to give time to what's important to me. The fact of it is, is I've used video games and things like that as simple as that it's the truth that anything around you that's not important to you, you're not going to invest time in if you don't want to do it. You're just not going to do it. And so I think the reality of it is, is that we need to actually search our minds and search our hearts to say, why did I really not commit to that? Honestly, because I just didn't want to do it. Not because I can't, not because I don't have the ability to do it, but it's not worth my time. And I think if we could honestly be honest right here, it would make it a lot easier to be honest right here so God could deal with some of the things and the reasons why we're not committing. We must understand that our ability does not have to determine our dependability. What's that mean? Our ability does not determine our dependability. We must change the mindset of, I don't know how, so I can't. Just because you don't know something doesn't mean you can't be dependable. Right? Just because you don't know how to do something doesn't mean you can't show up and try or be taught to do something. Just because I don't know how to do something doesn't mean I can't learn. This should give you a greater sense of responsibility to take the time to learn new things and grow. This sense of responsibility will strengthen your dependability. If you can choose to say, hey, I'm going to learn new things. Even if I don't know it, I'm going to show up and I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to do what I can and bring to the table what I do know how. And it's okay. If I don't succeed at it, no big deal. At least they know that I'm dependable to show up. That I was where they, I, I told them I was going to be. Commitment says... I may not fully know how, but you can count on me to show up and give my all. I'm not afraid to do what it takes and learn new things. Responsibility is no longer a chore, but it's a privilege. That's what commitment says. So how do we break the fears of commitment? 
and become committed to our here. Number one, set your priorities. I want you to ask yourself, what's truly important in my life? What's truly important? Because you need to remember what's important is what gets your attention. What's important is what gives your attention. And what's crazy is I was just doing this with Nevaeh um, for her college course this next year. We were going through and they had a whole time management section um, in her orientation that was talking about time management and setting out blocks. And it literally went through a whole um, calendar like graph calculator that asks you how much time you give per week to certain things like your study time, your um, eating, your sleeping, exercise to your friends, to your hobbies, to your, I mean, it broke it down and made you give, and it was talking about how we only have 168 hours a week. And it was making her see what she gives her time to. And it was causing her, now she has a coach that's going to do like that will be her coach for the college course that will help keep her accountable now to the time frame that she's tried to set out to help as a balance for her life. And and do you realize that the Holy Spirit, he's your he's your coach? He's your time coach. He does things to help you put things in order. And I think we just need to remember that we have to balance what's important to ourselves. And if you haven't done it in a while, maybe get yourself out some time. It, it, write it down. I'm telling you what it is right now. You have 168 hours in a week. You need to ask what amount of time you give to the things you think are important, even if they are not good things, okay? Be honest with yourself. Write them down, evaluate where it is, and see where your commitments really stand. It's, self-evaluation is okay. It's okay to actually look inwardly than outwardly all the time at what everybody else is not doing. Look right here. Evaluate it. Figure it out. Most of the time, if you'd work on you, it would figure out the rest of the stuff going on with everybody else around you at times. It would help you. My biggest question is God, is God number one on that list? We need to realize that commitment evokes a sense of dedication and focus. Whatever you are dedicated to will dictate your decisions and directions. Whatever you're dedicated to will dictate your decisions and your direction. Philippians 3, 12 through 16 in the message says, I'm not saying that I have it all together, that I have made it, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Number 2. Set your mind your mindset is a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and yourself. Your mindset is a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and yourself. To set your mind means that whatever you think on, you act on. Whatever you think on, you act on. Colossians 3, 2 
In the Amplified, says it this way. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. When I choose to commit my mind and life to God, I am choosing for my life to be governed by the Spirit and not, and not by my flesh. When I commit my life to God, I'm choosing to say that, God, I'm giving you full reign and full control. You are the authority over me. A mind set on God is a mind committed to God. And a mind committed to God is one of a life that chooses to live in contentment. A mind set on God is a mind committed to God. And a mind committed to God is one of a life that chooses to live in contentment. A life committed to God is a life surrendered to God. Number three, be committed to hear. If here is where God has you, then you need to give it your all in that area. Your ability to commit helps you stick to your priorities and goals during the good and bad times, even when barriers get in the way. Commitment to your here says, I choose to follow God, not just when it feels good, but when it doesn't. Commitment means that you have made a decision to follow through irrespective of your circumstances. Your ability to follow through in your commitment is what leads to your breakthrough. Your ability to follow through in your commitments is what leads to your breakthrough. Philippians 4, 4 11 through 13 in the message says, Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, what, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I've learned to be content in all things. When you're truly committed, to things, commitment will shout yes over the internal cries of I can't, I don't want to, and no. Commitment shouts yes over the internal cries of I can't, I don't want to, and no. Commitment doesn't quit just because it gets boring, challenging, or discouraging. When you're committed to here, you focus less on success and more on the promise of the commitment you made. It's the promise to continue to change and challenge yourself no matter what. You can never be fulfilled by what you are afraid to fully commit to. You can never be fulfilled by what you are afraid to fully commit to. If you don't choose to fully commit to God, you will not be fulfilled by him in the way that you desire. You cannot get full-time results with half-time commitment. I will say that over and over. True contentment comes from commitment. If you want to find true joy, true peace, true happiness, then you need to learn to commit to God in every area of your life. Not just when you want to. Not just when it feels good. Not just when things are going great or when things are going bad. You, you, you choose to commit to God and make it a lifestyle. Because what's crazy, guys, is there's no better option than Jesus Christ. 
The best is right in front of you. The opportunities you have in your home today, the opportunities you have in your family, if you have to go to work tonight, your opportunities that you have when you are uh, making an example in your car, whether it's to the people who are around you and not cutting them off and having the opportunities that you have in front of you are the best opportunities to share the love of Jesus Christ. But you cannot do that if you are not committed to who he is in your heart. The opportunities at church and the ability to commit here and give what God desires starts right here with committing to God. And when you can continually make excuses for what you can't do, you won't ever do it. You won't do it. Because it's easier to make excuses than do, than do the hard things like follow through. But I think God is challenging us to say, hey, if you want to change the mentality of anywhere but here and that mentality of discontentment constantly, you have to be in a state of learning to commit to me so that I can bring contentment through you. Amen? Stand with me this morning. I just want to challenge you today. I, I honestly wrote this word, I knew it, that it was just going to be something that was a challenge to set in your spirit and set in your heart. Because I believe God is really trying to question you and ask you, you what are you committed to? And honestly, if you could do a self-evaluation, I think it would probably be the best thing to say, what do I give my time to? Truly and honestly, not what you think you give your time to. Evaluate, what do I give my time to? What's important in my life? And where are my commitments and where do they lie? And then, if God's not at the top of that list, well, you start there first. <laughs> and give him your time, your energy, your efforts. And then it, you can move it down through your family, your job, the things that you have, your church, and every other aspect. But until you seek ye first the kingdom of God, all those things can't be done. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to sing this song on the way out, um, that Jaira, you're enough, and I'm going to be content in every circumstance. And then you all have a wonderful day. We can't wait till Youth X on Thursday, next Sunday, honoring our grads. Um, God's doing some big things in the house, and so we're excited, and I cannot wait to see how God moves in your life from switching your priorities and committing fully to Him. Amen? God, we thank you today. We thank you, God, that you have given us the ability to respond, and it's our responsibility. We are able to respond to you, and no response at all is still responding. We can't just block out our commitments and act like uh, they don't exist, God. But God, if we truly just uh, bowed down low to you, God, and gave you the control that we want over our lives so that we could commit it all to you, God, you can have your full reign and be the governing truth through spirit over us that flesh would no longer have control. I pray, God, that this week that as ones go out, that they would truly take time to evaluate their priorities and the time that they give to things, God, so that they can understand where true commitment lies. And God, that once that happens, I pray they would give you the calendar and let you organize it for your time and your plans of what you desire in them. I thank you, God, for all you have planned today. And I thank you, God, for challenging us to truly be committed to you. God, we praise you and we thank you.